0: I'm Lynn Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series on misunderstanding the Rural Lifestyle Customer. Today's program features Mike Wiles of AskTractorMike.com and EDMForsales.com sharing his experiences working for a dealership and now interacting daily with Rural Lifestyle customers, as well as the disconnects he sees in how dealers treat customers. Wiles teaches agricultural sales at Missouri State University, consults with dealers regarding their online presence, and has a large following on his YouTube channel. This podcast is brought to you by Yanmar. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or, if you have another app you use for listening to podcasts, Let us know, and we'll make an effort to get it listed there as well. Subscribing means you will receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. Thank you to Yanmar for bringing us this podcast. Don't settle for less when you can have more. For example, Yanmar makes all its compact tractors major drivetrain components, the Yanmar engine, transmission, and axles all in-house. Because they're made to work perfectly together, you and your customers get a hard working machine with more usable power, less power loss, and a smoother, more comfortable ride. Yamar's tractors are designed to work as hard as you do for a lifetime. Strengthen your dealership with Yamar today. Email them at agmarketingyamar.com at or call 777 777- 877-9894. Rural lifestyle customers come from a wide variety of backgrounds and levels of experience. It can be easy to lose a sale and a potential longtime customer if you take the wrong approach. Inadvertently you may insult them or confuse them and they leave your dealership only to buy from someone else. In this Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast brought to you by Yanmar, Mike Wiles shares strategies for understanding the diverse Rural Lifestyle customer segment. Well, thank you, Mike, for joining us and sharing your experiences. Um, Before we get started into the discussion, can you give us a brief background about your experiences in a dealership? and now how you work with Rural Lifestyle customers?
1: Be glad to, Land. thank you. Um, for 11 years, uh, I was the manager of SNH Farm Supply in Rogersville, Missouri. And Rogersville's next to uh, Springfield, and there's there's three areas kind of across the southwestern part of the state, Joplin, Springfield, and West Plains, that sell a, a large number of compact tractors every year. Um, uh, the Springfield, Market itself is about 300 tractors a year, under say 50 horsepower, 40 to 50 under that range, and so there's a, a huge amount of rural lifestyle customers in that area, and Joplin and West Plains are just below that, so it's a, it's a it's a hot for compact tractor sales, and while we were an ag dealership, we we were heavily into compact tractors and and rural lifestyle type items, so that's my my background on the on the dealership side. And um, toward the end of my tenure at the dealership, um, I, I had noticed that uh, there was a lot. All these compact tractor buyers had the same questions. They were coming to the dealership seeking education, and and it it really dragged the sales process out because they they were they were looking for basic information. And after one day of of talking to four people in a row with the same questions and me giving the same answers. I was driving home, and I thought, boy, it'd be nice if there was a place on the Internet to send these folks where they could get unbiased, basic kind of tractor information that those of us that grew up on a farm got from our fathers, usually. And and I, there really wasn't anything out there. So, so I started recording videos explaining the real, I mean, basic information about tractors uh, on a YouTube channel. Um, and it's called Tractor Mike. My website that accompanies it is asktractormike.com, and I Im- immediately found uh, an audience uh, of people that were were looking for that kind of information. and And, and to date, um, I'm up to over 2.4 million views. I've got close to 10,000 subscribers, and I'm catching the the compact tractor buyer who's seeking information. As they're as they're making their buying decisions and as they're getting educated about tractors, so that that's kind of my background. I've got background both on the uh, on the dealership side and then, of course, right for Rural Lifestyle Dealer Magazine, and uh, and so I've got to see I've got to see the customer in the dealership setting, and I'm also am now getting to talk to them before they enter the dealership.
0: Good. Okay. Yeah, that's a a really unique perspective. Can you? Comment then on what you're seeing just in terms of this market, in terms of the variety of customers, as well as how they're coming in with their um, varying level of knowledge, experience, attitude.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that I think there's some things that are happening in the market. And, and I, I, I can tell you, I, I don't want to sound like I've got this all figured out. This this rural lifestyle customer is, is a, you know, those of us that come from an ag background this customer's a little different breed of cat than what we're we're used to dealing with and 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 uh, you you don't always you don't always win the battle you, you you try to to be as accommodating and and help them out as much as you can and and I, i'd like to say we always made a happy customer and always got the sale and and the truth is uh, you, 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 they're just a difficult uh customer to please all the time but I think there's I think there's some important things going on in that market that we especially <clears throat> excuse me especially those of us that come from an agricultural background need to, to note. The first thing is I, I think as we every year we move down the road our our customer base on the rural lifestyle end is further and further and further away from the farm. And of course the one thing that all of these folks have in common—they they've all bought property, and they moved out to the country, and they're seeking information. And I think I think five years ago they they had a little more connection to the farm, and, and ten years ago much more connection, and twenty years ago a whole lot more connection. But now we're, we're reaching an awful lot of people that have zero connection to agriculture. And and the 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 second thing I think is happening. I think this, this audience is spending a, a whole lot less time in their dealerships and more time online, and, and, they're, and they're trying to get themselves educated earlier in the process, and, and so that gives us less face time with them before the sale is made, which is really, is really not helping us in the sales process. Uh, I think a, a third thing, uh, having said that, I think when they walk in the dealership, they're expecting a certain level of education uh less less sales and more education and and we as salespeople want to get that sale wrapped up and get on to the next one as quick as we can but if we if we try to use that attitude with these rural lifestyle comers, uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna push them too fast and we're gonna lose them so so we have to go to them with an edu- with with a mindset of i'm going to spend as much time with you educating as i can to make sure we we lead you to the right product and, and, and less time trying to sell you on on the features and benefits of my tractor. It's got to be education first, and then my product second. Um, I think we need to understand that this is not an agricultural customer uh, in terms of their, their mental attitude when they walk in the dealership. These are folks that it's, it's, it's really more like you're, you're going to buy something fun then you're gonna go buy something to work with and they they are they are there to savor the uh, the sales experience and the ownership experience it's it's more like uh, going and buying a boat or going and buying a utility vehicle or something you're gonna have fun with because this this is actually part of a lifestyle it's not part of an occupation and and it, it, you just have to kind of have a little different mindset a big difference from ag I mean we're so used in the ag world to to, uh, to the person wanting the lowest price and shopping all around the country and knowing the product, and these guys are coming in wanting to buy something that they're going to have fun with and it's going to help them make their place look nicer and they're going to take pride in. So, so we've just got to get a total different mindset of, of, of what we tell them and, and where we guide them. And finally, I think the last thing that we've kind of seen change, and I think this is getting worse as time goes on, is that if um, there's a very good chance if these folks have done a little bit of research on the internet and they come in and they've got ideas that are not just exactly right, that we if we try to argue with them um, and and handle it that way, uh, they're going to go into fight mode real quickly, and we definitely don't want that. Um, I, I think their frame of reference for for dealing with a tractor dealer is is what experiences they've had sometimes with uh, automobiles. And uh, and they expect us to be a little more confrontational than we actually are, and so you got to be real careful and, and give them space to express their opinions and what they've learned on the internet, and and not argue with them because if you argue with them, you always lose. So I I think those five things are, are trends we've seen, and uh, and trends that are developing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. And you had also mentioned mentioned in past conversations about the idea of the dealer attitude toward the customer and how they might be misreading some of those cues that the customers are giving them and maybe how they might even treat them where the customer might might feel stupid based on how they're asking questions. Can you talk about some of those scenarios?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think my, my frame of reference to how our customers feel occurred when when my family decided we needed a boat and I, i'm a farm kid i've never been on the lake or owned a boat or anything like that and, and we went shopping my wife did the research and we went shopping for a boat we found one on we wanted to use one because we didn't want to spend much money on it and we ended up with a boat off craigslist and and uh and we went to the the lake with the owner who was selling it and he gave me about 15 minutes of training and, and he was throwing all kinds of nautical terms out at me and showing me how to set the trim tabs and all kinds of stuff. I, I had no clue what he was talking about, and my eyes rolled back in my head. And, and I'm out. I'm out first year on the water, worried sick I'm going to sink the thing. And it wasn't much fun, and I hated the experience. But it gave me a real understanding of how the folks that come in our dealerships feel. Uh, uh, you know, I. I a lot of people on my on my website and my YouTube channel are are concerned they're going to tear their tractor up doing the most easy tasks. and uh, they just don't understand how tough tractors are. so they're in the same mode. they're they're worried sick they're going to do something wrong. and And I think they they walk into our dealership and they see us dealing with our ag customers. and uh, and the ag customers obviously understand the product as well as better or better than we do. And we're talking about all these terms they don't understand, and and uh, we have a we have a comfort level with each other, and they just feel like they're they're walking into a country club where they're not welcome, and it's it's a it's real hard not to have that happen when you're when you're dealing with an ag customer and a rural lifestyle customer at the same time. So, um, it's real it's really hard to they 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 say that the, the I read this recently. The number one uh, trait of a salesperson going forward is empathy And, and having empathy and understanding of the rural lifestyle customer and how helpless they feel in our dealerships and overwhelmed they feel and understanding that and getting them as comfortable as quickly as possible is the most important thing when they walk in the dealership.
0: So I also think that probably applies to more of the residential customers outside of agriculture who, for instance, might have experience with buying a regular walk-behind mower but are looking to upgrade into a new segment of lawn tractors or zero turns where they might also feel like they just don't know what question to ask or just feel that they um, are outside of their comfort zone.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think moving from a, a push more to a zero turn is a is a uh, a step, and and that and that does require some education too. But it's it's so much it's so much less of a step uh, because you're you're still doing the the same basic thing you're mowing your yard and you have experience doing that versus moving moving somebody from a zero turn or a garden tractor up to a a real farm tractor because there's there's just so much difference in the product. And, and uh, you know, if I own a, a Craftsman lawnmower, and I'm, I've, I've used it one year on this 20-acre little mini estate that I've bought, and now I've got to move up to a tractor, there's so much difference there. You know, I'm going to put implements behind the tractor. I'm going to have a loader on the tractor. It's a diesel versus a gas. Uh, there's a three-point hitch on it. There's a PTO. Uh, you know, the chances of dying. Uh, on a, on a craftsman zero turn are pretty slim on a farm tractor. You know, it's a dangerous piece of equipment and, uh, and it's, it's intimidating and the physical size is bigger and there's just so many things there that they're not accustomed to. So I, I, yeah, there's a, there's a, a step up moving from a push more to a zero turn. But, uh, my experience in the sales process is, is you can move a, a guy from a, a, a riding lawnmower or a push mower to a zero turn in about uh, 30 minutes and, and they're totally comfortable. Uh, moving them from, from a, a garden tractor to a farm tractor, is a uh, it's weeks getting, getting comfortable with it and a lot of phone calls and a lot of interaction back and forth. So it's, it's a bigger step.
0: We'll rejoin Mike's discussion, but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for making this program possible. Using ever-advancing technology, Yanmar continuously strives to exceed customer expectations and deliver exceptional lifetime value by integrating its products, services, and knowledge into a high-quality, comprehensive solution. Visit them at yanmartractor.com backslash new dealer inquiry. So far in this podcast, Mike Wiles has shared his thoughts on how rural lifestyle customers differ from other segments, especially production ag customers, and the different attitudes and expectations they have when they visit a dealership. Let's get back to the program and hear more from Mike about strategies for building a long-term relationship, as well as some of the opportunities dealers need to be paying attention to right now. That's a good segue for us to go into how you're working with rural lifestyle customers then on a on a daily basis on your AstractorMike.com site. Some of those areas that you just mentioned with attachments and and some of the safety issues. Can you comment on uh, some of the more popular videos that you have? The questions that are coming in from rural lifestyleers uh, through your videos.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um- I, I, I the most the most popular videos are are items that those of us that come from an ag background just can't even in, envision. My most popular video is me hooking up a tiller on a tractor. And and it's uh it's had it's had close to a, a million minutes of watch time. It's it's just it blows your mind these YouTube videos, how popular they can be. And it's never the ones we expect it to be. But just just showing that and, and and what I did, I just took a camera out on the lot at the dealership and, and backed a, a small compact tractor with, with non-extendable lower link arms back and hooked up a, a tiller. And and I struggled a little bit. I didn't have it lined up. I had to back it up a second time. And people watch that and they appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, when it happens to them, they think that's an abnormal. And they see a guy that's been around tractors his whole life struggling a little bit to get it lined up and hooked up right and then they go, oh, well, that's normal. I I, I get that. Uh, the safety videos, and, and I stress safety in everything I do. I try to um, because I, I'm worried about these guys getting out and not knowing that tractors are dangerous on hills, not knowing you can't stop a PTO, not knowing uh, a dangling piece of clothing can get entangled in a PTO, or uh, you can catch a roll bar on a on a limb and pick the front end of the track drop. I mean, just dumb stuff like that. I go over and people really love it because it's keeping them out of danger. Um, I get the the thing that, that helps me kind of understand the market. I think um, from a unique perspective is the fact that I have comments, every video I post and I encourage it can get comments from, from people that are, are watching it. And and one of the one of the more disappointing comments I had recently I, I'd like to read, and and I, I if if one person said it then there's other person other people out there that feel it too. It said uh, one thing the dealers need to realize is there are now a lot of smaller hobby type farmers out there who someone needs to cater to. Instead they are treated like a nuisance when they come in. It is difficult to find one that will follow through on what they say. And they will drop you in a minute when an important customer comes in, Mike. I imagine you were a good guy for us little guys to know at the dealership, and we're a blessing to other dealers as well. But unfortunately, most dealers don't have someone like that, and that's that's really sad. Now I I know a lot of people listening to this are getting the job done, and and I, I, again I didn't always get the job done in the dealership. Uh, there's there's times you you miss somebody. They they want you to, you know you know their frame of reference how you should greet them is what they get at the car dealerships. And, and, and I hate this at the car dealerships, but if you're out on a lot at a car dealership, there's going to be a salesperson come see you rain, shine, most of them. And, and they're trained to do that because if they don't do that, you feel like your business is not appreciated and they don't want you. So our, our, business model is to give you space and time on the lot, which I prefer, and most I think most dealers prefer. Let, let you look around out on the lot, and when you're done shopping out there and, and looking over the product, you come in, and then we greet we you, and we take care of it. The car dealerships meet you on the lot, rain, shine, snow, uh, all time of the year, and and a lot of people are annoyed by that, and I'm one of them. But that's what the customer expects. So if they've been out on the lot looking at compact tractors for a half an hour and nobody came out to see them, they have an attitude like this guy that, that, that wrote to me and, and that they're not valued. So I, I'm wondering if we shouldn't stick one of our salespeople out on the lot or stick a camera out there. And when I was at the dealership, we talked about this a lot. Maybe we need to have a camera and keep somebody trained to see when there's a customer and get out the door and talk to them.
0: You had mentioned the um, the idea of just um, with attachments. What about the other big question related to purchasing a tractor and understanding the different horsepower ranges? What kind of questions are you getting through your side or, or do you know from your dealership world on those topics?
1: Well, that's the biggest thing right there is is uh, people trying to figure out what size they need. And... Uh, that that that's probably well you know I get a lot of questions on what brand do I buy and uh, I'm I'm brand neutral I I have my own personal preferences that I don't share um and I try to be totally brand neutral and I tell them find a dealer that you, you click with and buy what they're selling uh you know the the quality of the compact tractor line is is pretty high and and there's a lot of tractors I would sure be comfortable with and uh, but I want a local dealer that's going to take care of me and um and, and and that I get along with, you know. So um, I think forging relationships is, is 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 probably the most important advice I can give them. You know, find a good relationship um, and and somebody you trust. Uh, other than that, I get a lot of a lot of questions about safety. Some of the some of the questions I get that are just way out there, and I'll just throw this one out. I get more questions from people wanting to know about flail moors brush hogs or rotary cutters. And I don't know if there's not a market out there for flamores we're missing. And I get an awful lot of, of uh, people looking for quick hitches. It's it just, you know, dumb stuff that you're like, huh, that's interesting. I, I, think, I think because of my, my most popular video is, is hooking up a, a three-point, and, and one of my most asked questions is, are quick hitches good? Is people hate hooking up and unhooking implements. And uh, that that may be a common thread among among all of them.
0: Do you think dealers then are just skipping these altogether during the sales process? They're mostly focusing on uh, you know brand benefits and and the tractor specifications and and really not getting into some of these how do I make it work kind of topics. I think we
1: can tend to do that. I've done that. I mean. Uh, the the differences between our, our customer bases, again, going back to being an ag dealer. You know, uh, I, I remember at the dealership, uh, some guys on the lot looking at a baler, and, and they were they were out on the lot for, you know, a couple of hours going over everything on that baler. Didn't want anybody talking to them, wanted space to look at it, how different they are, and understanding the product, knowing everything it will do, knowing, uh, having more practical experience with it than the, the guy selling it. And and being so fixated on getting the best deal and, and and no joy in the shopping process versus the rural lifestyle customer who knows nothing and um, and wants education and wants to enjoy the whole process. And is is actually looking forward to getting seat time on the tractor, so those those markets are so different. It's hard to go from one to the other. You know, in a given day, you'll go back and forth if you're in an ag in an ag area and a real lifestyle area. Um, I sometimes wonder, and I just throw this out there, if we if we need to look at a few salespeople. If if you're in a you know a fairly good sized dealership that deals both in ag and in real lifestyle, hire hire a salesperson with zero ag experience, and and let them go after these people because they'll understand where they're coming from better than our ag people will. Um, I think sometimes, as a dealer, and I always did this, uh, if if one of my salespeople or uh, arts people or, or service people for that matter were had a job they needed done on a weekend and it wouldn't take the uh, the product away from the sales um opportunities too long i encourage my people to take equipment home and use it because what better way to figure out and have empathy for the customer that's buying it um i i, I sometimes think we're we're missing the boat on on uh if you have a a salesperson that's a bailer guy or a uh, a combine person of of, of of when they've got a small pile of dirt that needs to be moved or something like that sending a, a trade in compact tractor home with them and let them use it just so they, they understand it a little better and, and and find out what it can do. Um, sometimes I wonder if we need to change our um, our compensation level and, and I know a lot of dealers hate to hear this, but you know if 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 you can make you know ten ten thousand dollars selling a combine and only five hundred dollars selling a compact tractor and you're gonna work a lot harder selling the compact tractor then what are you gonna sell? So sometimes I, I think we need to look at that. And, um, uh, one thing I think that we're missing the boat on, and, and this is one thing I, I didn't mention before about a common thread among people on my website, 10% of my audience is female. And I, I want to attribute that all to my freakish good looks, but I actually think that this possibility that, um, Women don't get good advice anywhere in the male-dominated world of tractors. And um, and there's a significant number of uh, female females out there uh, that are, are, are tractor buyers. And when they walk into a dealership, uh, it's it's even worse than it is for the, the guys that are rural lifestylers. So I'm not so sure we don't have, need to have some women salespeople. And I definitely think that if a a man is going to sell to the rural lifestyle customer, when the man and woman walk in, he needs to be selling both to the man and woman. And I I saw this a few times, and I experienced this. When I was selling to a a male and a female, uh, a compact tractor, if they were both in there, they were both going to be using that tractor. It's different from the ag audience. In the ag audience, the man is the generally 99 times out of 100 is the main guy you're negotiating with. He's the main person that's going to be using it. The wife is there because she's killing time until he gets done with the negotiation. In a rural lifestyle setting, the man and the woman are both equally involved most of the time in the decision-making process. And if the salesperson is doing all the talking to the man, he's lost the sale. And when when I was doing it with a, a, a male and a female uh, uh, in the sales process, it, it was kind of an interesting thing to watch because I would make contact, try to make eye contact with both of them equally, back and forth. And and I I I, I, I felt something going on that was just kind of hard to explain. But uh, the man man was fine with it, and and I would make eye contact with a woman when talking about the tracker. And her first thought is he's hitting on. Me. And as I got further into the conversation and making eye contact with both of them, I could almost feel the minute she realizes, oh, he's he's selling me as a, a part of this, and and I think the females are in the sales situation, real lifestyle, are so not used to that, they're so used to being ignored that it it, uh, it helped them warm up to you, it helped it helped you get the sale. And so if you have if you have salesmen that can't sell the females, then that's a problem with the real lifestyle customer.
0: You had also mentioned early the idea of these customers uh, coming in uh, after doing so much research on the internet and and having all of this information on hand. Um, How do you advise dealers to to deal with that when they come in with so much information? Where should they begin the conversation?
1: Well, I, I don't think you can ever go wrong in the sales process by asking as many questions as possible. And then the second part of that is listening to the answers. To me, that's, that's a, a huge chunk of uh, sales. That's the most important part of the process. So what, when they've come in and done their research, we need to find out just exactly where are you, um, where are you with the knowledge that's productive and, and what have you you know, a lot of a lot of times they come in, like I said earlier, with bad information and and you're hearing some of that and you want to argue with them and you can't. So so you just listen to them and, and you'll know when the time is right, when you've kinda of earned their trust uh, to correct any wrong information that they have. I think it's it's critical that you know what the questions are because they're most of these customers of their questions are the same across all customers. I think the more you can do to answer those questions on your website. So if they're up at two or three o'clock in the morning and can't sleep and need something to do to get them to go back to sleep and they're, and they're in the tractor soften mode, you're answering the questions, whether your salesman is, is there or whether it's your website. So that's, that's incredibly important. So it, 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 Answer the questions on the website and ask questions and listen to the answers in in person, and I think that's a that's a big key to being successful.
0: Well, that's an interesting comment about the same questions coming in. So that means you know different dealers or different salespeople would be getting the same questions. Are you seeing you know within dealerships that we have sharing of information among salespeople so that um, everybody doesn't have to to, um, you know, go through the th- same thing. They can start learning from each sales salesperson within the dealership.
1: Are, are you talking about, you mean when you get a new salesperson in?
0: Yeah, the you know, the idea is, you know, that salespeople within a dealership would start working together to, um, you know, share some tips so that everybody isn't starting from scratch with the same questions from their customers and having to to figure it out.
1: Oh, I think that, that that's a, a team approach to that is great. and And questions may vary a little bit from region to region. Um, i even I even noticed um, you know the, the the actual metropolitan area, you know mo- most compact tractors are sold near metropolitan areas, and the the further the metropolitan area gets away from agriculture, the questions are going to change a little bit. We had one store smack in the middle of farming country and one store that was, um, you know, kind of close to a, a big city, so the questions were a little different, but yeah, sharing information like that across uh, uh, salespeople and, and, and getting them focused on, on ans- asking questions and listening to the answers and and where to go with the product to, to uh, help them, guide them into what they actually need and what they'll be happy with, that's, that's all important. It's a, it's a, it's a longer process. It's, you know, one of the toughest areas of sales is when you have to educate the, the customer and then sell them and, and then live with them after they bought. And then this is one of them, but if you want to be in that market, that's what you got to do today.
0: Good. Excellent points there. And uh, you had mentioned earlier, some um, areas of, of growth opportunity for real lifestyle dealers. Can you sum up some of those the big opportunities you see ahead, and and what dealers need to be paying attention to. Uh,
1: absolutely, um, I think I, I hear dealers saying, and I've said this probably: you sell them a compact tractor, you never see them again, or you see them in five years for their fifty-hour service. And uh, I, I think we, and myself included, need to quit looking at the customer that way. If they if they move to the country and and they bought a compact tractor. Um, you know, they, they, I see a lot of people buying tractors that are still mowing with the old craftsman lawnmower. You know, if you sell zero turns, there's a, there's a chance to sell them a zero turn down the road. If you sold them a zero turn, especially a nice one, uh, you may be selling them a compact tractor. If they've got the zero turn in the tractor, uh, and they're keeping their place looking nice at some point, they want to take their friends around and show it to them. You can sell them a utility vehicle and maybe a four wheeler. Of course, you've got the attachments out there. So um, I think we need to get out of our mind we sell it to them and we never see them again. I think we need to be hitting a little harder that they get all their service work done in our shop. And I've, I've witnessed dealers that have done a good job of, of selling a service package in with the, the tractor and, and, and lumping that in with the payment stream. That's really, really good management right there. Um, I think another place we, we're, we're kind of missing the boat, and and i've I've been preaching this sermon for a lot of years, and and, and a lot of people don't like to hear it. Um, how hard is it to find a good quality used compact tractor? and if if most dealers that are listening to this, if you could if you could find a a five year old compact tractor that you could sell, you'd make money and and open your market up and have more customers. And there's, there's just not a big supply of used compact tractors anywhere I've seen. But if we were leasing, if we, if we got in our mind that we could lease tractors, it would create a supply of used tractors in four or five years to sell at a reduced price. And people hate leases. They'd rather sell them and be done with them. But getting a lease back might be the best thing to create uh, inventory to sell at a later date. And I really think this is why the car guys have pushed leasing so much. And I, I know anybody that's listening to this says, well, you know, buying is a better deal. Yeah, it is a better deal uh, because, you know, a lot of times we have a zero percent program and you look at the payments and they're not all that different and so on. But if you if you went at it from a, a, a mindset that we're trying to create some inventory to sell on down the road, that is going to greatly widen our uh audience that we have potential to sell to, because we'll have a supply of used tractors uh, that come back off a lease, and we'll just release the other guy another one. Uh, It makes a lot more sense. And the simple fact of the matter is, uh, I can't remember the figures. I want to say it's like, it's over 50%. I'm pretty sure the number of people that are leasing their automobiles now. Well, if if there's that percentage uh, leasing cars, and they're used to it, and they like it, uh, there there, there should, could, sure could be that percentage of people leasing tractors. And um, so I think we need to at least understand leasing, not be intimidated by it, figure it out. And, you know, whatever company you're dealing with, you do financing with, I'm sure they have somebody that would come in and explain it and how it works. You know, to a dealer, a non-recourse lease counts as a sale. The only difference is that tractor is going to come back in, you know, in three, four or five years and you're going to get an opportunity possibly to resell it if the, if the person doesn't go ahead and pay off the residual. And, and the, the ideal thing is to meet them and, and, and co- contact them beforehand and say, hey, you want a brand-new tractor? We can you know, possibly keep your payments right where they are, and uh, a, a high percentage of them will say, yeah, we, we'll do that. And uh, you have a, a late model used tractor to put on your lot and, and, and attract another customer, and they're happy, and you're happy, and everybody wins. Uh, so, I would, I would urge everybody to take a look at leasing. I, I think it's, 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 it has more potential than we give it credit for, and it would sure help build inventory for a, for a market that's out there.
0: Thank you, Mike, for sharing how to better understand and sell to the Rural Lifestyle customer base. You mentioned the opportunities available to sell many kinds of equipment to Rural Lifestylers beyond their initial purchase the key areas where dealers are not doing enough education, as well as some new ways to earn business, such as through leasing. The bottom line is to understand exactly what your customers need by asking questions, and most importantly, listening to the answers. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. And go to RULELIFESTYLEDEALER.COM to learn additional best practices from Mike Wiles, our other experts, as well as from dealers. Again, we'd like to thank and recognize our sponsor, Yanmar, for helping make this RULE Lifestyle Dealer podcast series possible. And please share your feedback on today's program by sending an email to LWOLF, at L-W-O-O-L-F, at lessetermedia.com, or call me at 316-648-3717. You can also keep up on the latest Rural Equipment News and Trends by registering online for our e-newsletter, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at RLDeditors and on our Rural Lifestyle Dealer Facebook page. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.